Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. In the end, your ultimate connection with God and your ongoing relationship with Him is not going to be based on, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to do what God said. But the judgment aspect can be the initial jarring that one needs to recognize they need to be saved. And then, of course, in recognizing they need to be saved, they get the picture of God's love for them. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Acts, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, in a message titled, Speaking Truth to Power. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The commander sent Paul to Caesarea, to Felix, and that's where we picked up the story. Now, um, one of the reasons why he was sent down there was because the plot by the high priest was that they were going to ask the commander to bring Paul one more time, and they were going to try to work things out, but actually they were planning to kill Paul. So they had uh, 40 men who had taken a vow that they would neither eat or drink till they killed Paul. So they were going to ambush the soldiers as they were bringing Paul to the, the place of meeting. And all of this was made known to Paul, who made it known to the commander. And so he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send him with a, an escort of 200 soldiers on horseback, uh, 200 spearmen. And you know we're going to give him put him in protective custody and send him down to Felix. So that's where we picked up. He is now standing before Felix. And once again, these Jewish leaders are coming down to present their case against Paul. Now, remember the word of Jesus. He's going to bear witness to me, to the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So Paul has these now three opportunities in total where he is proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, not just to Jewish people, but to the leaders of the Jewish nation. And of course, they rejected his message. But then Paul, in the course of this, is also obviously he's brought before the kings. They're mentioned there by Jesus. So Felix, just to give you a little bit of a perspective on this. Felix is in the role that Pontius Pilate was previously in. So this is a few decades later now. Pilate has long passed off the scene, but now Felix is the governor. And then Festus will become the governor. But then we also have a reference to King Agrippa. And, and then finally, by the time we get to the end of the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to stand before Nero, the emperor at that time. So that's the background. Now, this is what I want us to do today. I, I want us to consider Paul's presentation before these kings, before these rulers. And I want us to think of it in, in the, the context of this phrase, speaking truth to power. Now, you might not have heard that phrase before, but it's, it's something that's, that's definitely out there. 
in the culture. It's being talked about a lot today. And so there are many people who are talking about the, you know, the need to speak the truth to power and what that amounts to for some people and some Christians in, included in that is that they're basically just lobbying verbal grenades from behind their Facebook or Twitter wall out at people or policies that they don't like. And, and then all, you know, as they're doing that, they're claiming, you know, we're speaking truth to power. It, it really seems more like they're just venting or ranting or as some people would refer to it, uh, virtue signaling. Just, you know, sending out a message like, hey, look how righteous I am or look how, you know, in tuned I am uh, to the right politics or whatever. So that, that's a, a real thing in our culture right this moment. Now, there is a need to speak truth to power. But you can't find, uh, I don't think you can find a better example of someone doing it than Paul. Because that's really what he's doing here. He is speaking truth (laughs) to power. He's not holding back the truth at all. He's speaking the truth. But what I want us to see is how Paul does this. Because there are times in our lives personally, there are times in the life of the church collectively, where we are called upon to do that very thing. In other words, we're to, we're to push back on power. We're to resist power at certain times. And of course, in the early history of the church, that was something they had to regularly do because the powers that existed were oftentimes opposing the advancement of the gospel or sometimes belief in Christ. And they were wanting a uniformity across the board in the empire where everybody recognized Caesar as Lord, but the church was saying, no, no, uh, we can't do that. Jesus is Lord. That was speaking truth to power right there. And so Paul does it though here in um, the cases that we looked at, and I want us to see how he did it. And the first point that I want us to understand is that Paul spoke truth to power, but he did it respectfully. And this is one of the, the, I think, the current problems we have is there's, you know, people out there, and I'm thinking mostly of Christians who are claiming they're speaking truth to power, but they're doing it very disrespectfully. Paul did not do that. Now, sometimes we can try to justify it by saying, oh, but, you know, that person's wicked or, you know, their policies are horrible or whatever. That's understandable. The people that Paul was dealing with, they were wicked too. They were very wicked. You'd be hard-pressed to find a more wicked ruler in history than Nero. I mean, they're probably are some, but you know, he was right up there. And yet you never see in the New Testament, you never see the apostles striking out with any kind of personal vitriol against the powers that be. So they addressed them, but they did so respectfully. And, and it, just as we look really quickly at Paul before Felix, Festus, and Agrippa, we see that that's exactly what he did. Notice in verse 10, when called upon by Felix to kind of give his side of the story, verse 10 of chapter 24, Paul says, inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. So he's, he's respectful. Now, the Jews, on the other hand, they seem respectful as well, but they were duplicitous because they hated Felix. There was absolute animosity between him and the Jewish leaders. He was deposed from his position as governor partially because of his inability to maintain peace with the Jews. So they hated him, but they came with flattering words. They came and they said, 
this guy, Tertullus, is speaking on their behalf. And he says, seeing that through you, we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. That was just not true. <laughs> but it was flattery. So Paul doesn't do any of that. Paul does acknowledge he's been a judge for many years over the nation. So he says, you know, I'm happy to present my case before you. So he did it respectfully. And so it was the case with King Agrippa in chapter 26. You notice there in verses 2 and 3, I think myself happy King Agrippa because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. So we see respect. Even Festus who cries out, Paul, you are insane. Paul says, no, most noble Festus, I am not insane. So he was very respectful there, referred to him as most noble Festus. I'm not insane. I speak the words of, of truth and reason. So point number one, Paul was respectful when he was speaking truth to power. And this was Paul's practice and Paul was a guy who practiced what he preached because this is what he preached. He wrote to Titus, who was overseeing the church in Crete, and listen to what he said. He said, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's the biblical instruction to us when it comes to how we are to address those who are in power. We're not to speak evil of anyone. Why? Because we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and so forth. You know, I, I think Christians today, and especially in, in our current political cycle, which is not just the present administration, but the previous administration as well, Christians are far too vocal in a negative sense about, you know, the politicians we, we like or, 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 di or dislike. And, and this is a problem. This, this is contrary to Scripture. Now, remember, again, the context of the New Testament is, at this particular time, is Caesar Nero. Now, if there was ever a bad ruler that you could have said all kinds of true things about that were absolutely negative, he was a guy that you, you could have had a field day with him. But the apostles did not do that. And not only did they not do it, but they taught the people not to do that either. Speak evil of no one. And so that's a lesson for us. So he spoke respectfully. Secondly, what we see about Paul is he spoke relevantly. And what I mean by this is that it wasn't just a rant. It wasn't just a, a generalized because I dislike this person or because I think they're abusing their power. I'm just going to kind of throw out you know, just all, everything I can imagine here that I'm displeased with. Paul addressed them 
according to their very specific issues. And we see that with Felix and with Agrippa, he addresses them in very different ways because they were very different people and they had very different issues. So notice with Felix, it says that Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And it says that Felix was afraid and said to Paul, stop, let's pick this conversation up later. Now, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. See, this was very relevant to the man he's talking to. Felix was a corrupt ruler. He was a very corrupt ruler. Tacitus, the historian, said regarding Felix that he exercised the power of a king with the mind of a slave. And that was obviously a negative perspective on Felix. His political position was due primarily to his brother's influence with the emperor Claudius. So he was really a guy who was completely unfit for the, for the position, but through family connections, he was able to get into political power. And he abused that power. Um, his wife, Drusilla, was a young Jewish princess. Uh, this, she, she was his third wife. His first wife was the granddaughter of Antony and Cleopatra. So he... He knew how to find the, the right <laughs> girls to get married to to keep himself in power. But Drusilla had been married previously and, and Felix lured her away from her husband. And of course, she went along with us. Now she's the daughter of Agrippa I. She's the sister of the king that we're going to come to in a minute that we already read about. She is the younger sister of Agrippa and Bernice and she is a Jewess, and so in the eyes of the law, she's an adulterer. So these are the two people that Paul is speaking to about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. You know, it's interesting because the context says they invited Paul to come and tell them about, speak to them about faith in Christ, and, and what Paul does is he addresses their own personal issues. Now, when we come to Agrippa, we find it's a completely different approach. Agrippa is a different person. He has a reputation of being an authority on the Jewish religion. Uh, At one time, he held the power of appointing the high priest. And at one time, he was also the guardian over uh, the priestly garments that were worn on the Day of Atonement. And so Paul recognizes that, and he respects that. And we see as Paul addresses Agrippa, he, he does so differently. He doesn't talk to him about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Instead, Paul tells him his own story. Agrippa's a Jewish king. Paul's, I'm a Jewish rabbi. And let, let me tell you my story. So he tells his own story. And then he appeals to the prophets and to Moses. And he appeals to the king's existing knowledge of the events concerning Jesus. So my point is that in speaking truth to power, he spoke relevantly. He spoke specifically to their personal backgrounds and issues. And then thirdly, he spoke boldly. Paul spoke boldly, as we can see. 
And once again, as we think of his addressing Felix, righteousness, self-control, and judgment. This is bold. It would be easy for Paul to talk in more sort of generalities about, because they wanted to know, tell us more about faith in Christ. Paul could have talked about all kinds of things regarding faith in Christ without going there. You know, let's just keep it general. Let's talk about who Jesus is, talk about what he did, what he claimed, how he died, how he rose again. Let's talk about the evidence for it. Paul could have done that without ever saying, but you know, Felix, we need to talk about righteousness because you're unrighteous. We need to talk about self-control because you have zero self-control. We need to talk about judgment because guess what? Judgment day is coming. So we see the absolute boldness of Paul in approaching this. And, and this is also to us a reminder that different people need a different presentation of the truth. You know, we can kind of get caught in the, the idea, you know, the, kind of the two extremes. I mean, for some people, there's the presentation is always love, love, love. God loves you and everything is about love. And then some people, it's really kind of the opposite. It's just wrath and judgment and all of that. But, you know, the, different people need different things. Now, some people might be tempted to look at this here and say, well, Paul didn't really preach the gospel. He just talked about righteousness, self-control, and, and judgment to come. Well, Paul certainly preached the gospel. He knew how to do that. He knew what he was doing. But he recognized with Felix, evidently, that Felix was he was not really receptive to the message of God's love. But he was apparently concerned about God's judgment. And see, if we fall into the trap of just presenting one side of the case or the other, then we're going to end up giving the wrong message to people. So we need to be sensitive in each case. And a little verse there in Jude, I think it really sets this out the way it ought to be. Jude says this, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You know, some people today would say, you never should talk about judgment. You shouldn't talk about hell. And even if you're going to, you need to understand that hell's not really an eternal thing. And there's a lot of effort on the parts of some people today to really downplay the, the side of wrath and judgment. But some people will not respond to anything but that. And that's why Jude says, save some with compassion, others with fear. Some people need to be saved with fear. Some people need to be scared into the kingdom. Now, some would argue and say, well, you can't be scared into the kingdom. I think you can. And I think the Bible indicates that you can. Because Jesus certainly went out of his way at times to tell people about you know, the seriousness of sin and the consequences that would come. Now, of course, in the end, your, your ultimate connection with God and your ongoing relationship with him is not going to be based on, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to do what God said. But the judgment aspect can be the, the initial jarring that one needs to recognize they need to be saved. And then, of course, in recognizing they need to be saved, they get the picture of God's love for them, and that's what a person will ultimately respond to. But we need both, depending on the person. Now, to King Agrippa, 
he was bold with uh, Felix, but he was bold with Agrippa as well. Notice with Agrippa, and he says in, in response to Festus, he says, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Now that is bold on the part of Paul as well. Again, he, you know, the temptation would have been to just think that, you know, I'll just get enough information out there for Agrippa to really weigh these things out. He's got a good background understanding of, of Jewishness and Judaism and all of that. And I'll just fill in the blanks and then I'll let him, you know, put the pieces together later. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul goes right to the heart. Do you believe the prophets, Agrippa? I know you believe the prophets. And he presses Agrippa on this. And what's Agrippa's response? Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul says, well, I wish you would. Not just you, but I wish everybody here listening to me would become a Christian as well. Now, what this shows us too about Paul is that in the end, he was more concerned with their eternal well-being than he was with his temporary well-being. Because you can bet your life that this, I mean, he's taking huge risk here. You know, somebody like Felix, especially, who is corrupt, who is volatile, who has a, a history of violence and these kinds of things. This is, this is his history. You know, you're suddenly going to, you're going to pin him down on his life and you're going to show him that judgment is coming, uh, man, that, that can be a, a really you know, tempting situation to, to back off on that. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul, he boldly takes those steps. And the fourth point is that he is fearless. And he's fearless, or he does this... Uh, speaking truth to power fearlessly, meaning this, and the distinction between boldly and fearlessly is that fearlessly, meaning that, that Paul is not worried so much about whether he's liked or disliked, and he's not so much worried about what the consequence will be for himself personally. Paul is a man who trusts God, and his primary goal is to please God. So he's gonna please God even if he might displease these men. And he's going to trust God rather than draw back in fear and not say what needs to be said because there might be negative consequences. After all, again, Felix might have just said, well, this is, you know, I'm tired of Paul and uh, I've got the power to deliver him right over to the chief priest and they've already determined that they're going to kill him. So uh, he could have made that happen for them had he wanted to do that. And, and so Paul would know that as a reality, but he takes that risk and we see that in addressing the power, he does so fearlessly. And in all of these things, this is how we must address power if and when the opportunity comes for us to do it. We must do it like Paul did it. Now, speaking truth to power. So, we're making our way 
through Acts. We're coming close to the end. And remember that Acts is the history of the earliest Christianity. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Gospel by Ray Ortland. Are you experiencing the glory of Christ made visible through the beauty of gospel-infused relationships in the church? Well, in his book, The Gospel, Ray Ortland shares a biblical examination of what he calls a gospel culture, a culture that both fosters Christian relationships and is attractive and welcoming to those outside the faith. To develop a biblical understanding of gospel culture, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order the gospel by Ray Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.